Welcome, everybody, to The Lawyer Show. I am your lawyer, Jeremy Rosenthal. The Lawyer Show is about lawyers. We talk about law, about practicing law. We talk about our clients. We talk about all the crazy and fun and awful and sociopathic things that, that lawyers do that, that we do on a day-to-day basis. Today, I have a very special guest, um, unlike all of my other guests who probably if there's anybody watching it, it may even be them and they've probably given us uh, given up on us by now. But today we have the Honorable Lance Baxter as our guest. He is the judge of Collin County Court at Law Number 3. He used to be a person, now he is a judge. And so uh, we hope to get a good insight today on on how judges think and and what they do, and, and particularly in the time of the pandemic. What I'd like to kind of start off with is just sort of talk from a lawyer's standpoint of what it's like to, to practice, particularly in criminal law. What happens is you walk into the Collin County Courthouse. We have, how many courtrooms are there total? No, 22. 20? 22, okay. Uh, and each court has a judge. Each uh, each court has its own bailiff. It has its own court coordinator. Each judge has their own staff, and they all follow the laws of the United States of America and the state of Texas. However, they are all very different cultures when you walk in there. Uh, county court at law is, for the lawyers, um, probably one of our favorite courts to go into. Not... Well, there's a there, there's a handful of reasons, but if you've ever watched like an old western show, and you know the guy walks in somewhere, and then there's 800 arrows that get shot at him at once from from a pack of wild uh, Indians, or, or you know that that uh, just get ambushed. That's kind of what walking into court three is like. Sometimes they do it out of love. Don't get me twisted. They do it because they love us. But Judge Baxter has a very fun crew that works for him. He has a very... uh, But you have to be prepared when you walk in there that you're going to get shot at. Stay on your toes. Rough seas make for good sailors, right? Sure. So when you walk into court three, you just got to wear... You got to have your helmet on. You got to be prepared to take fire. But then once you get through that... It's generally a pretty good experience. Or there's more coming. Well, that that's true. It depends on it depends on if we're in a trial and if if you've got a week of me and I've got a week of you or two or three days and 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 all that. And we're trying to determine if the clock on the wall is a machine, just like the breathalyzer. That's right. Okay, so we're gonna, all right. We're gonna, we're going to launch right into a good story with that because there's a story there and see. This is absolutely the most effective argument I have ever made in a jury trial, and do you want to know why it's so effective? It's so effective because he still remembers it. He remembers it five years after I made it. Did it work? Okay. It's not the point. Okay. <laughs> it may not have worked in that instance, but there, there's a there's – a, when it, it was a DWI case, right? And I think it was it a blood test or a breath test? Has to be a breath test because you're talking about a machine, right? Okay, so and and one of the one of the things uh, as a um, and and so everybody knows Judge Baxter. How long have you been on the bench? Eleven. Well, start my eleventh year. 
Okay, 11th year. And, and, and so you know, I hold the position that because you got sworn in in the state of California at the Rose Bowl during halftime, we're, during halftime of a TCU Horn Frog game, beating Wisconsin, I, 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 I don't know if are you officially. Well, I did it in Texas also, just to make sure. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So I guess I guess we can't we can't appeal that anymore. But um, so you've been a judge now for a long time, and before then you were a, a lawyer, a human. Yes. Okay. Twenty four years. And uh, we've actually we tried a case against one another. I was a prosecutor. You were a defense lawyer at the time. I think I know we have. I, I do remember uh, we had a motion together. Well, you had okay. So this will bring you quickly up to speed. So the the issue in our trial was uh, it was a possession of marijuana case. It was a misdemeanor case. Usable quantity of marijuana. It was a usable quantity of marijuana because the DA's office very wisely never let me handle anything important. And so, not that this wasn't important to you or your client, it obviously was important, very important to the client. But the issue, yes. So the the state law, the law in the state of Texas says that possession of marijuana is a Class B misdemeanor if it is between a usable quantity and two ounces, and so which is different than most other drug offenses because you can have a trace of something like cocaine or a trace of methamphetamine. And that would be a felony, just even having a trace. But in, in marijuana, it has to be a usable quantity. Right. And you had, did you have an expert? Well, here's what happened. The police report said 0. 0.02 grams of marijuana. Well, that's that's nothing. I it, don't know, is it? it I, that's what I was told. But it actually was 0. 0.2 grams of marijuana. 0.2 grams is clearly usable. 0. 0.02, questionable. And so, yeah, I had an expert that was on probation in Collin County, and he said he smoked pot morning, noon, and night, and he was willing to come in and testify that 0. 0.02 grams is not a usable quantity of marijuana. Um, the judge declined to uh, pay his expert witness fees, and so we went without him. Uh. I do remember this. Uh, I remember, and yes, I remember it was a pretty quick day. Uh, but, but at any rate, um, and he would have only charged two hundred fifty dollars for his expert witness fees. Very reasonable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, you should have. I, well, I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't have done, but I mean, you know, if you get the guy to do it free. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. I've moved on. You've moved on. Um, so, so he, so Judge Baxter's been around for for a very long time. And to the clock argument, okay, because you were, I was talking about how effective it is to where five years, seven years, however long it's been, ten years after the fact, you still remember it. Well, we've harassed you about it every day since. Out of love, you guys have done this. But again, all every t- here's what I hear when when I walk into court three. And I hear, and I see you point to the clock, or I see your court coordinator, Mindy, when I see her point to the clock, or Chad, all I hear is, Jeremy, you're the best lawyer ever. That's what I hear. That's not what I'm hearing. Well, that's not what you say, but that's what that's how I take it. And and so, the the there's a there's an inside baseball type of game that that we play between us and the prosecutors on a DWI case. As a prosecutor, you are taught to call the breath test thing apparatus. You are 
they drill it into your head to call it an instrument because an instrument sounds like something at a doctor's office and it sounds important and it's precise and all this stuff, but it's a machine. And, and the defense lawyers always call it a machine, right? Exactly. And the point that I, and, and so there's a line of cross-examination uh, and argument that, uh, that I, you know, reading, reading on this stuff and, and trying cases, David Burroughs, it's actually his argument, which I stole, which is not, I mean, that's just, you borrowed it, borrowed it. I mean, I perfected it. How's that? Um, (laughs) So, so the argument goes that, look, there are clocks and there are clocks, right? There are, there is a type of clock that's going to be on the wall in county court at law number three, that's got a double A battery in it, right? That, that is a pretty good, you know, it's good for telling you what time lunch is, but you don't want to land the space shuttle with it. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I would not use a clock in our courtroom to land the space shuttle. Okay, and it's a not, you guys did fine. I'm sure it's purple. I'm sure it's a TCU something. It's, it's never accurate, number one. Okay. It's, it, right now it's off by about four minutes. But who's counting? Well, we get to get off work four minutes earlier because it's fast. So, so, uh, so, the argument goes that the breath test machine is like the clock on the wall in court three. It is a very generalized machine. It's and and this is how I've argued the uh, on on the breath test before, which is look, this thing is it 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 can tell you in and the way I've argued it, and I think there's a lot to this. It can tell you if you're definitely under it can tell you if you're borderline and it can tell you if you're definitely over and so what the point is is that the that what you're trying to do as a trial lawyer is you're trying to analogize the clock on the wall to the breath test machine and say look we want something that's super accurate we want something that's good enough to land the space shuttle with but what we really have is the clock that's right above you guys that's four minutes off more or less that they probably paid six bucks for if that much um Anyway, um, but the argument that day did not work. <laughs> but it entertained us forever. And I am, but every time I walk into court, court three and I get the arrows shot at me right as I'm walking through the door. And by the way, you guys hate Kyle. I say hate. You guys give Kyle more love. Uh, you guys give you guys give Kyle a harder time than me, right? Uh, it's close. Kyle Terrian. Yeah, it's it's way up there. Okay. Ever since he told us about his, uh, was it his incident with the the bamboo um, spear that he was he was fighting? I don't I don't remember the story. Man, I don't know. I'm gonna have to talk to yeah. Kyle about this. I'm pretty sure he's not watching. He, he shares way too much information. Put it that way. Kyle is uh, so Kyle is a former guest of the lawyer show, and he is a, a lawyer, uh, a principal at the firm of Rosenthal, Calibus, and Terry. And Kyle actually does the case law update for the entire state of Texas for TCDLA, and is a hell of a lawyer. But sometimes, Kyle's like me. Talks. I kind of I, I kind of like walking into the room where I know I'm going to get all the arrows, and Kyle kind of likes the. He does. You know, it's it's like the. It's like with all the hand sanitizer, you know, and you get a little paper cut. You kind of like the sting. He called to find out when Halloween was going to be one year in Carrollton. And when did Halloween end up being that year? I think on Halloween. <laughs> um, and then we, 
every time he came in after that, we asked, hey, when's Christmas this year in Carrollton? Yeah, yeah, Heidi's <laughs> joking. She uh, she told me this year that she looks at the calendar and she says, You're, you know your birthday is on Groundhog's Day this year? You know, every year. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. so uh, so anyhow, um, so talk about so, – so question for you. Okay. Can you order your people on probation in your court? Can you order them to watch this as punishment? <laughs> There's the Eighth Amendment. Cruel and unusual? Yeah, that would be. You think there would be some issues? Oh, yeah. Okay. They'd rather pick up trash. <laughs> There's no doubt. I, I'm just – that saying because you know, I mean we're trying we struggle sometimes to to have viewers, um, but you know I don't know. Uh, why don't you tell the jury, tell the folks, uh, everybody, what you're a county court at law judge. What jurisdiction do you have? What types of cases do you have? What's a county court at law, and what do they do? We um, have civil jurisdiction up to two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. I think that's right now. They they bumped it up fifty thousand, but. Um, we have criminal jurisdiction up to a Class A misdemeanor. That's marijuana, uh, assault cases, DWI cases, first and second, um, uh, criminal trespass. It's uh, theft cases. It's you know, it's basically good people doing dumb stuff usually, um, or dumb people doing good stuff. And all about that. Um, and then we have a appellate jurisdiction over some of the stuff that happens in municipal court or JP court for a lot of evictions. We do a lot of eviction um, retrials, basically. And they come to us de novo, which means, uh, it, well, it depends. They, some court, courts are a court's record now, so we do not um, have to hear as many evictions from the court's record because they actually have to do a full-blown appeal. But uh, we, do, we do a lot of evictions uh, from jp courts and municipal courts so that's it it's it's civil criminal and and that stuff the the uh appellate stuff from the lower court you're watching jp kathy and the crew network you can watch jp kathy and the crew between 7 30 and 9 monday wednesday friday this is the lawyer show i am your lawyer jeremy rosenthal and we are uh Live on Facebook between 12 and 1 uh, on Thursdays. My guest today is the Honorable Lance Baxter, County Court at Law number 3. Uh, how has, well, this could probably be a much, much longer topic, uh, but now that COVID is over, um, talk about when are we going to get to try cases again so people don't have to watch me on this. Well, here, here's a dilemma. Um, let's, let's say tomorrow we opened up and we, we have... Um, we can try jury trial. Who's going to get the jury trial? It's going to be a district court judge because they have the more pressing, you know, they have the, the, the felony charges that people are sitting in jail and they're not usually out on bond. Our people are usually out on bond. So what's going to happen is we're going to want to do a jury trial, but the, the district judges are going to get first access to the jury panel. And right now, the way it's set up, you're, you're picking one jury per week or one jury per day. Uh, let's say, let's say you pick one jury per day. In a, in a week, you can do five jury trials. We have what twelve district courts. That doesn't leave many for us. Um, there is a plan in place. 
correct? Correct. And my understanding, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that you have, is once the county hit, and this plan is still in place regardless of the governor's face uh, covering orders, and, and th- these things are separate concepts. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, my understanding is that uh, we have to have, Collin County has to have below 15% of ICU beds that are with COVID patients in order for us to even consider having a trial. Uh, is that right? I think so. I mean, there, what, what was required is we had to have a, each court had to have a plan ap- approved by our local administrative judge who had to have it approved by the Supreme Court. That, okay. That's what, and that's part of our plan. So. And our, uh, we've got Judge Wheelis, who is the uh, sort of the Don of, yes. of, of all the judges. That, that's his title, yeah. The Don, yeah. right. He's your former law partner. Yes. Okay. Um, anything negative you want to say about him? He's not watching. There's no chance. Um, eh, I better not do it. Well, he doesn't handle Corona that well. No? When, while watching the Cowboys beat San Francisco in a playoff game. That's all I'll share. I'm going to have to ask him about that next time I see him. You should. There's another judge who's a mutual friend of ours. Uh, I won't say his name. He happens to be on the Fifth Court of Appeals. Uh, This morning he told me that it is our duty, our duty to criticize him. Okay. And I was – so, so anyway, uh, that's good legal advice. Yeah, maybe I—I I don't know. Maybe I'll take a pass on that uh, for now. But we can. I mean, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, and I told him to watch because I told him, I said I've got Judge Baxter on here, um, and I said Judge Baxter's gonna—he's gonna kick me in the pants harder than anybody has on this show yet, and uh, and he still is. I think he's got family in town, so. Um, if if he's spending time watching this, he's really, I mean, there's stuff on Netflix I'd rather watch. He's stoop, he's stooped pretty low. Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 it, it is you know he does have people who love him, uh, who he considers family, and they'll take him out. And, really, uh, that's what I'm told. Okay. Again, I mean that just may be his excuse for not watching today. Um, so the district court and and there's a, another person that I know. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about this person on the lawyer show i've talked about this person in the past it's a human who happens to live under my roof with me um who got a jury service notice for the next couple of weeks so those are going out okay yeah anyway uh, so so the county's certainly planning on 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 this yeah i mean i i hear they're they're getting real low juries uh showing up i mean that response 50 50 percent really yeah, mean, that's before COVID, it was 95 percent um so i don't know what i mean i've i've been vaccinated so i i wouldn't have a problem showing up but mm-hmm. uh i understand someone that hasn't been vaccinated and that's 92 percent of the people yeah uh, and yeah and, and that that's another hidden challenge i think with with uh getting back going as far as the courts go because uh, Collin County is obviously, we've traditionally had a, a very high, very strong participation in jury service. Dallas has always, or has generally struggled in that regard. Right. But your panel under the U.S. Constitution has to comprise of your peers. And so uh, the folks who show up to jury duty, um, you know, there may be an argument there. Kyle Tarian may think that there's an argument there to say that 
the folks who do show up aren't necessarily a representative panel. I mean, I can tell a, a, a funny story about that. It's, it's probably not that funny, but it is funny to me. Um, I had a defendant that I was representing charged with sexual assault of a child, and he wanted a jury. Of this his, is starting off hilarious, I by know, the way. He wanted a, a jury of his peers to decide his case. And uh, so you guys went moved the case to Huntsville. No, I'm, I keep cutting in, but yeah. And that was what it, that's where it went. I said, <laughs> I can promise you this that um, a jury of of your peers um, will probably understand why somebody might, you know, steal, rot, whatever, but they're not going to understand why you would do what you're accused of doing. I said, and I promise you, there won't be one sex offender on your jury panel. And we pled the case. Prosecutors got rid of all them, did they? Yeah. On the on jury selection. Um. Okay. What, in your mind, makes an effective judge? Oh, um, I think experience. Number one, I think uh, when you, uh, especially in Collin County, it's you know it's, it's not normal that you have non-specialized courts. I think most. Uh, counties have specialized courts. I don't know what the percentage is, but but we I mean we do we do everything. We do civil, criminal, uh, everything. Uh, there are some courts that only do family or, or only do civil, but I think experience uh, with some of the the stuff you have to deal with helps. I mean you can you can read books and learn what you need to learn, I guess, but it's better uh, sometimes to to have a judge that's actually try to case number one or um you know uh handle the type of case that's being tried before the court um i think it helps to have someone who doesn't isn't a hothead that uh can you know because you got to put up with a lot of stuff that you probably shouldn't have to put up with and uh i think hotheads aren't going to handle it that well um because you you, you can't say what you really want to say half the time. Uh, and uh, that's one thing. I, level-headed, I guess, is probably a good a good thing. But um, And it's just someone that uh, gets along with people. I mean, uh, I think you have to have a personality for it. Um, I don't know what that means, but uh, I think it has, has to do with practicing law for a certain amount of time, knowing people, knowing, you know, um, the frustration, I guess, of, of practicing law, maybe, um, but uh, also knowing how to get stuff done. I mean, the one of my biggest uh, problems with lawyers that we see is that they don't take care of their stuff. You know, um, they pass cases for no reason. They, uh, you know, I, I was talking about some to somebody about this yesterday. If you're paid four hundred fifty bucks or five hundred fifty bucks or whatever the number is for a plea. Why wouldn't you knock that thing out as fast as you can? Why would you pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it, knowing you're getting paid? On a court-appointed. On a court-appointed case. Yeah. And um, I don't get it. I mean, I, I never will. Never, you know, just never will get uh, why some lawyers can't seem to get their stuff taken care of. So, um, but anyway, that's, uh, we. but we have to deal with it. I mean, that's part of our, our game is, uh, you know, when you make the court uh, mm-hmm. coordinator mad, <laughs> we try not to do that. Yeah, 
Um, you're in trouble. So speaking of your court coordinator making her mad. Yeah, she's probably watching, by the way. <laughs> Why does Oklahoma State suck so bad? Well, it, it keeps Texas from drifting off into the bay. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Oklahoma has the perfect state motto. Have you ever heard me tell this joke? You no. probably have. I don't know. Because I, I, I recycle pretty much everything. Okay, good. It's okay. Mm. Okay. It's all in the delivery. Um, okay, so so kind of talking about judges and, and, and talking about what makes an effective judge, um, and, and I'll kind of give you my two cents, and you can do with it what you will, probably discard it. Um, I've never obviously presided over, over any type of proceedings, so, I, uh, you know, not having sit in, in, in the trial court's shoes, I don't know what that would be, but I'll tell you, I'll give you some examples. Uh, going back to Judge Wheelis, okay, uh, he is absolutely positively eight ways till Sunday one of my favorite judges to be in front of. It and should be. And it, well, and I'd never, I, I didn't always get my way mm -hmm. with him, um, but what I really liked and what I really appreciated about him in particular uh, is he has a great poker face, mm -hmm. and you'd never know what he's thinking up there. You and and he does not and what happens is when you get a judge who's up there who's making a lot of faces and kind of going back and forth the lawyers think that they can persuade him and it just kind of keeps a proceeding going and going and going and going and going oh but judge but judge but judge but judge and when you have that stone face the the, the lawyers really don't know what's you know where that where the trial court is right and 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 and, and not only that, I think I think lawyers sometimes make the the wrong assumption that their judge doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't know what you know how to think in a case undecided or whatever undecided yeah. and 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 so Wheelis uh, Judge Wheelis uh, to me always fairly a good poker face kind of stone faced up there and says all right here's what we're gonna do bang 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 and it's done um, and he's you know, really, you know, really good on the law. I, uh, there's a case we had a guest last week, but you know this because you watch us incessantly. I'm sure. I have nothing else to do. Uh, there was we had a guest last week uh, by the name of Morgan McFeeters, and she's an appellate lawyer. And Morgan, I, I took, I had an expunction case that I took that Morgan um, did the appeal on that she took all the way to the Texas Supreme Court on an expunction, and we won. And it was Judge Wheelis who was the trial court judge on this. And 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 on, at the at the trial court level, he overruled Andrea Westerfeld and the state on an expunction. And Andrea, great lawyer herself, one of the foremost experts in expunction law uh, in the state. And so it took a lot of spine for for Judge Wheelis to do that. Um, but I always appreciated that. The other types of things that um, that I sort of that there are that there's. Uh, judges I've been in front of that they kind of want to be the defense lawyer. Mm -hmm. They kind of want to be the prosecutor. They kind of want to be the court reporter. They kind of want to be the bailiff. Uh, they kind of want to be the court coordinator and they want to be on the jury. And in some weird ways, I think they kind of want to be the defendant too. So, uh, but that to me is just sort of, I mean, just I'll let you uh, yeah, talk. I don't, I don't know if you ever, Spent much time in front of Judge Mays. Oh yes, um, he he had a, it, once he heard what he needed to hear. His next statement to a lawyer was, "Now you don't have any more questions, do you?" 
you're done. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're losing. And that was your – or you're winning. I mean, um, <laughs> it, it's it's either way. It's just he basically is, is telling you he's heard all he needs to hear. He can make a decision. You can stop talking. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I love Judge Mays. I love uh, – he was – one of my favorites to uh, to practice in front of, and uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, and uh, I tell a funny. Uh, here's a good. Uh, here's a funny story. Very, you know, uh, I've got a nine year old, and there's very, very, very few courtroom stories that I can tell her. Right, uh, you know, just being a criminal defense lawyer, most of this stuff is a lot of difficult con- uh, things to understand. I mean, even a DWI in, in a lot of ways. Uh, when I was a prosecutor, uh, uh, Don McDermott, who is now also a judge, uh, was trying a case uh, against me. It was a, um, a UCW, unlawfully carrying a weapon. And uh, it was, and so what happened was, in the case, um, the defendant takes the stand, and, and, and it was a weird fact pattern. I think the guy... Uh, one day he shows up. Um, he, he's in he's in an apartment complex in Plano, and he just runs up to a cop and just hands the police officer a knife that he was carrying. And this is a knife out of a horror movie. I mean, it is big, double serrated edges, and it's got a lot of jags and a lot of just stuff. And the police officer doesn't know what to do, so he's like, "All right, you're under arrest. <laughs> you can't. This thing is illegal as hell. You can't. You can't have this thing." And so he, he arrests the kid, and then the guy, uh, the witness, the defendant takes the stand in the case, and Mays is up there kind of doing his, you know, you know, wearing his glasses mm-hmm. kind of. Reading glasses. Reading glasses, and he's kind of halfway doing that, right? And he doesn't wear a robe, not in the bench, not even in a jury trial would he wear a robe. Uh, but he's just kind of sitting there, and uh, the guy gets up on the stand, and he testifies that his grandmother bought him this to learn how to cook. <laughs> as a as a cooking knife as a, mm-hmm. a, a as a whatever and Mays does one of these he's he's kind of like this and he hears cooking and he goes and he s- immediately snaps up and uh D- McDermott passes the witness and I start ask ant- asking him questions and Mays just sticks his hand up you know he, he does that a lot he sticks his hand up like Rosenthal and he, he asks the bailiff to bring him the knife. The bailiff brings him the knife. And he sits there. He looks at it. And he says, um, chop some carrots. <laughs> you know, you can, uh, y- you can slice tomatoes with this. You know, this is pretty good. You know, celery. And he, and he looks at the defendant. He says, you know what this would be really good for? Killing somebody. <laughs> I said people. <laughs> this would be really good to chop somebody up into a bunch of pieces, wouldn't it? I, I lost it. I had to run. I had to go out of the courtroom. Hmm. This is at the old grave. I had to leave the building um, because I was, or not the building, the courtroom, because I was, I, I just didn't want to laugh that hard. And poor Don is just, and Don had a very good argument. Don, Don was kind of pulling something out of the penal code that says this isn't a knife and right. And he was kind of trying to have an academic debate with it. But I walked back in four or five minutes later, and Mays is still going to town on the guy. <laughs> and so uh, that, and that's one of the rare stories that I can tell, you know, uh, a, a child, children, yeah. a child who, who does not understand the penal code. Um, and so anytime, you know, we, we, if we 
if she ever sees a double serrated knife, she will know that is a, we can't do that. Yeah, children have different attitudes about what we do. Uh, I once upon a time sued a church because a, of a slip and fall incident, insurance company, all this stuff was involved, but you have to sue the named entity. And my kids were in the car. They were probably eight, nine, I don't know, same age group. And they find the papers. I just filed a lawsuit. And they, they go, you sued a church? I go, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a sin? <laughs> so. Did you say, no, honey, there's insurance here. Uh, no, they didn't care. No. And, and insurance companies, there's a direct correlation with. Yes. You know, right? I know. Yeah. Um. You're watching J.P. Kathy and the Crew Network. You can see J.P. Kathy and the Crew between 7.30 and 9, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, this is The Lawyer Show. Uh, I'm your lawyer, Jeremy Rosenthal. You can watch us between noon and 1 on uh, Thursdays. Let's talk a little bit about your background um, okay. because I, you, you do a lot of really cool things that not a lot of other judges do to it mental health. The one cool thing. The one cool thing. Yeah. And I want to get into that, but before I get into that, your you, your father was clergy, is that right? Yes. Okay. He, he was a Disciples of Christ minister forever. Okay. And in the military? And in the military. He's buried in Arlington Cemetery. I didn't know that. Yes. Does that have a lot to do with what makes you you and, and your attitude and your... Well, it, I think it helped to travel. I mean, we're in the Army. Um, he's a chaplain in the Army. We traveled. You know, we, you, know you, you, you get up and move and you... You're staying places two years at a time, so you have to meet new people. So it helps with you being able to get out and meet people. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was kind of a fun little world, you know, that we we lived in. And so. that's also probably why your children understood that suing a church was <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah, they, it happens. Did you say no, guys? But this is, you know, there's premises liability here. Yeah, I, I, they were on notice. I don't explain my my kids stuff they they have to figure it out for themselves and uh, you have three three kids three kids all frogs all frogs okay let's talk a little bit about because one thing that now lawyers we like to pander okay okay um i'm wearing purple today i see that i'm wearing purple today i know well you wear purple every day it's definitely on fridays but usually yeah for sure i okay. did this for you I'm I'm certain of it. I'm you never. Yeah, that's the thing. And now, not that I'm a judge or that you would walk into my courtroom, but would you wear if I was a judge, would you come in in red and black for never, the Red Raiders? Never ever. In fact, you know, um, once upon a time, a certain Texas Tech team got beat by a certain TCU I, team, and TCU scored eighty two points. Okay, I knew you were going to go here yeah. today. And you know what we did with our our prosecutors. <laughs> We got them to offer Texas Tech lawyers 82 days in jail and $82 fines. I, I knew you were going to go here. Sharon Curtis this. thought it was hilarious. Uh, yes, Sharon Curtis, big Red Raider. I, I knew you were going to go here with this. A a and you do understand the Red Raiders beat the Frogs in basketball, which I know you don't think counts. Yeah. Okay. It, it will one day, but not this week. Not, 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 not yet. Um now that game, the eighty-two point game, mm -hmm. you know the story behind that. Um, yeah, I was there. Okay, the story. Okay. We ran out of fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> the marching band was so was too sore to play the fight song yeah, after a yeah, while. Yeah, the trombone player especially. Okay, so, tunnel. so okay, the, so the story goes that 
uh, I think it was Coach Bro Cliff Kingsbury fired his our our I guess we had some defensive coordinator who had a lot of personal problems. I'm doubting you had a defensive coordinator. That okay. Day. He had a lot of personal problems, and the what the article I read. Of course, I'm reading you know this on some of the some of your more extreme Red Raider media, you know, um, or originated in the former Soviet Union. I'm sure some of these articles sure. uh, said that our defensive coordinator took our defensive playbook and gave it to other teams in the Big Twelve. And our the interim defensive coordinator said TCU guessed right on something like seventeen out of twenty plays. That's it. And what defense that we were going to be in. And uh, the and the other the rumor further goes that Charlie Strong, the Longhorns coach at the moment, um, for for that week, uh, picked up the phone and called Cliff Kingsbury and said, "Change your plays, change your change your signals, change your you know because mm-hmm. and they as predictably they beat the crap out of us too." Right. They didn't score 82 points. I just figured your strategy is let them keep scoring, they'll get tired. Yeah, I don't know that it, I don't know that that worked, but, but I knew. You, but here's the other problem y'all had. Y'all had a certain quarterback on the bench for most of that game. Oh, was that Mahomes? Yes. Yes. He um he rode the pine most of the game. He he got to play in the fourth quarter, but by then, you know, we were having third string running backs score. So okay, now that was another question I was going to ask. So, are there any TCU Horn Frogs that are the youngest ever MVPs in the National Football League history? Um, I, you know, Sammy Ball might have been an MVP. He he's a punter, interceptions, and quarterback. But um, no. Um, I mean, here's what's funny about Tech: they had all these quarterbacks that they would bring in and they give the give away yeah didn't y'all have like a guy named baker so okay this is a good point uh so cliff kingsbury was now in my theory okay um and part of the lawyer show is i mean sports this is what happens in court sometimes yeah. the, 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 this is a debate that we're just you know moving over here so so cliff kingsbury my, my thought on him and i love him to death in my own sort of red raider way but Every year, there's, what, 120 Division One schools? Something like that. Six or seven of them go 0-11. Something okay. like that, right? Five or six of them just can't win a game. So every year, there are five or six coaches that lose, that go 11-0 that cannot win a game. And you multiply that by every year. There's 60, 70, 80, 100 coaches out there, uh, 200 coaches, that have not won a game in a single season. There is one coach in the entire history of the NCAA who lost a Heisman-winning number one overall pick, and that is Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Until Kevin Sumlin did it the I next was year. Say, Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Because um, yeah. A&M did the same thing. Yes. They, they brought in a whole bunch of quarterbacks <laughs> and gave them away to everybody. That's right. So, but that so to me, that's just like, you know, I mean, that's just kicking the incompetence up a notch. Mm-hmm. And again, I love coach I love Coach Bro in my own way. I, I do. I want him, you know, he's the coach of the Cardinals now. I, I'm sure he'll be great there with Kyler Murray. And JJ Watt. Is JJ Watt there now? Yep. I didn't coach see Cliff doesn't really care about defense though. No. That's probably news to Cliff. Neither did Tech. No, that's always no. been no. that's always been the problem. No. That's always been that's always been our issue. But I'll I'll give you one more tip. 
TCU Tech story, but then we'll move on to something else. Does it involve Tech sucking and us losing and us? Not, not, I mean, not necessarily. You had a, a coach named Leach uh, once upon a time. Read about him. Yeah, and he uh, he's put people in closets and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> um, he brought his high-powered Texas Tech team to TCU uh, when we were not in the Big 12, and um, they had been scoring 70 points on every team they played. TCU beat them 12-3 to in the most boring defensive game. I was there. I was there, too. Um, but it was just good to see. Him humbled. If he was. Yeah. And the year before, though, the year before, Sonny Cumbie put 70 on the Frogs. Yes. Our defensive coordinator. Yes. Former Frog coordinator. Yes. So you're watching the sports show. <laughs> We're on between 12 and 1. Let's talk about mental illness in the All courts. Right. Okay, right. because that, that's, that's one of your, your bailiwicks. Um, how did you get first involved in doing mental health with the courts? We... Um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's probably the biggest problem in the court system. You, 95% of, of defendants have some sort of, usually mental health problem, substance abuse problem, problems that, that they can't deal with and make them productive, put it that way. And so we formed this, uh, We just, I guess I volunteered to be the judge that would... Um, hear the mental health bond cases where we put them on a PR bond with special conditions, monitor them, um, and um, they we make sure they're on their medications. They, they call um, once uh, every week to check in. Uh, they come see me once a month. The problem is now with COVID, we haven't really had them come into the courthouse. So it's, it's kind of, we, we have less control over, mm-hmm. over the situation right now. But um, but it's a they're we let them out on PR bond, um, and so they can get help while they just would be sitting in jail waiting to um, be prosecuted. And oh, a lot of times off of their medications, off, almost always off medications, and almost always self-medicating with meth or marijuana or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, yeah, they came up with this this program. Uh, I, don't know, I, I think we've been doing it six seven years i mean i don't i don't know how long we've been doing it but um and originally it was there's a felony court doing it and we were doing it but then it just got easier to have one court do it all so i do all all of the uh, mental health hearings for felonies and misdemeanors well no there was another there was another judge that was doing it he just would say no to all of the requests for pr bond and then everybody was like well Baxter will follow the law yeah, i i don't think that's what he did but <laughs> okay um i just know that we at some point, we realized it was it was easier to have one person doing all of it, and so we we volunteered, and so we've been doing it ever since. And uh, every Tuesday, Thursday now we have here. In fact, we did a hearing before um, we came here. Now we do it by Zoom, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, if we let them out on bond, we let them out with certain requirements that they go to treatment or they go uh, get medication or they they do whatever we ask them to do and. Uh, we keep our thumb on them. So, how, how does how does the county do? Uh, other than Judge Baxter, uh, I know we've got Elise Ferguson right. with the county who who has a very big role in that. Yes. and there's other personnel. And, and she's, she's by far the greatest at what she's doing. I mean, it. it she's well known across the state mm-hmm. now for for what she has done in Collin County. So, uh, and then she has her staff that um, Tony Fox is part of it and. 
and they're all real good. They report to me. They um, tell me what's going on. We go off bonds if, if they're not falling, if they disappear, or if they're if we drug test them. Um, we, we may give them a second chance if it's if it's marijuana, mm-hmm. but uh, anything else, we, we pretty much it's a it's a one shot and you're done kind of thing. Um, but uh, I mean, I remember we had one come in and just look like um, she was on everything. Just looked higher than a kite and. So we drug tested her, and I said, if I'm going to drug test you. What's going to come back in your system? She said, just marijuana, and we didn't believe it, so we drug tested her. And it comes back, just marijuana. And so she, her parents were there, and she turns to them and said, see, I told you. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, that's, you still haven't passed anything. <laughs> Marijuana's not legal here. <laughs> right. So um, she didn't get the concept that she still flunked her test, other than the fact she named the one she would have. So anyway. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's difficult sometimes because it's frustrating. But I mean, they're poor a lot of times. They they, they don't have resources. They don't have car rides. They don't have, you know, your basic stuff. And so it's it's hard on Elise and them to to keep them on track. And uh, we try. I mean, and we've been pretty good about it. But uh, I know we had uh, one of our guys. Uh, on, uh, he actually wasn't part of the program, so I'm not gonna mention that anyway. But it's uh, it's just. You're, you're scared when you let someone that's not thinking right out that they might do something. But so we're pretty careful. And, and it's only, it's usually, not only, but it's usually nonviolent people. You're watching JP, Kathy, and the Crew Network. You can see JP, Kathy, and the Crew between 7.30 and 9, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This is The Lawyer Show. I'm your lawyer, Jeremy Rosenthal. You can watch us between 12 and 1 on Thursdays. Um, the statute for, for this, um, prescribes mental health bonds yes um we've had vanita parker on before vanita works with our office and she also does a a, a lot of mental illness and a lot of mental health case i think she's uh, and and has in dallas yes um and so uh she says that all the plans and all the statutes and all the plan everything that you do is only so is only as good as the infrastructure because at the end of because ultimately it comes down to things like this guy just doesn't have a ride to go exactly. to whatever exactly. place that you're going to treat him. And insurance can be a big issue. Um, how, how's the county doing resource-wise? Well, we have LifePath, and, and I think LifePath is real good at what they can do. But, I mean, you can't make someone do what you're telling them to do. Um, they, I think they provide rides and, and some of that. I mean, the problem we have up here is you don't have transportation, you don't have public transportation. Um, you can get to Plano, but you can't get from Plano to McKinney. Um, and so uh, you have people living in Dallas, and how are they going to get to McKinney for a quarter or whatever? Um, and so I think if we had public transportation, that would alleviate some of it, but I guess it costs money, so we don't have buses or whatever you might want to have. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've, I mean, I think all the lawyers understand, you know, when they come up with a plan, the problems with the plans and uh, where people are going to live because we don't have a lot of homeless shelters up here. We have a couple of them, but uh, a lot of these people wind up back down in Dallas at the bridge or wherever, and uh, we may or may not ever see them again. So that's the concern. And the statute does not allow necessarily violent offenders to qualify. They're not. Um, it's not mandatory. Um, I can if I choose to. Uh, my discretion to, to let a violent offender out on bond depends on you know let's say they committed an assault 20 years ago and all they're charged with now is marijuana or something 
yeah, that that can be forgiven maybe, but mm-hmm. uh, or you can you can put special rules on them. You know, you can put um, GPS devices. You can do a bunch of stuff to them that, to make sure it's safe. But um, generally speaking, yeah, if it, if it's a violent offender, uh, they're probably not going to, especially if they're charged with a violent offense, they're not going to get a bond. Mm-hmm. Not a mental health bond. Mental health bond. Yeah, they can get another bond. But they have a bond. It's just they don't, right. want, they don't want to pay $100,000 to get out of jail. Right. And, and so everybody understands uh, watching this. So the, it's just a different way. So when somebody gets arrested, uh, before they have a trial, before, they're, before they have a trial or, or a, a plea or, or, or anything like that, before their case is resolved, bond is the rules, essentially, until you go to trial or plead guilty or the prosecution dismisses your case if they're my client right everybody's entitled to bond unless it's capital murder i mean i think that's the only offense that you cannot um well i've had this debate with uh with some of your colleagues and and this involves this involves what happens when you violate your bond okay on a mist is my position it's my position that if you violate bond, so in other words, if somebody gets, let's say somebody gets out of jail, okay, okay, somebody somebody gets arrested for pick a pick a charge, right? Let's D- say DWI. Let's say DWI. Let's say they get arrested. And they for, commit another one, and then they get another one before that first case is resolved. Right. Uh, it's my legal position that they are still entitled to bond. I believe they are. Okay, and n- not all of your colleagues. Well, I understand that. Agree necessarily. I, I've never ever set no bond on a case. Okay. Now, it's my. It, it, I know they have. In domestic violence cases, the Code of Criminal Procedure is very clear that uh, that you can hold somebody without bond on a violation of uh, of uh, if you're charged with domestic violence and you violate bond in that context. I think the code is clear that you don't have to give a bond at, at that point. Um, the, and I think on a felony revocation, you don't have to give if bond. you're if you're convicted. It's a revocation, yeah. Yes, revocation, right. yes. So, right. But deferred, you are. If you're on deferred, yes, because right. legally you will not have been convicted. Right. J.P. Cathy and the Crew Nation, is an, they're extremely honed, and by this point they, they understand criminal law pretty, pretty well in, in a lot of the terminology that goes with it. Now, where, where the statute gets unclear is when you are on bond and you violate, your bond can be, the term is revoked. Right. But that doesn't. I, I interpret that to say that it doesn't mean that you can. You you, you just you take the the county takes the money, but I believe that you still are entitled then, to have it reissued. Exactly. I mean, you you can revoke the bond, but you have to turn around and give them a new bond. I, I think. I mean, that that's how I've always. Uh, that that's my the the position I've taken. It, it's almost silly, but that's that's the position I have. Um, I mean, because I've been asked it to uh, revoke people's bond, and I said, "What do you want to do?" Well revoke it and then have to give them a new bond it's just gonna cost them money they're gonna get out again mm-hmm. uh, i mean i prefer to add conditions i mean if they're doing something they shouldn't be especially a, a dwi where they're still drinking and driving or whatever um, and that's the trend right and and that, and that also goes and, and so to kind of make it some parallels here with mental health uh bond um also and 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 so what, what Texas courts are kind of doing in general across the state, really, uh, and Harris County, I, I want to say they've been the leader of getting in trouble over over not handling bonds properly. But uh, what what 
I think they're starting to recognize in Austin and getting around to doing if they have enough time is saying, look, folks who are in jail on misdemeanor charges on 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 pettier type stuff, we want them working. We don't want them losing right. their job. We don't right. want them right. We don't want them clogging up the jail. Um, and and so what would happen is you would get a lot of folks who a a a thousand dollar bond may as well be a million dollars. And so these are, and this is exactly the type of person who's going to lose his or her job if they don't get out or miss child support payments or, or just, you know, whatever, right. or, or whatever. And so what happens is uh, the courts have been kind of saying, okay, well, let's give this person conditions. Let's let them out on what's called a personal recognizance bond where they get out. But you've got to report here once every two weeks. You've got to pass a drug test. Um, in the cases of DWI, you've got to blow into this thing to make your car start, um, right? Or have your kid blow into it if he's sober. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they have cameras on them now. They have, yeah, the thing's a mousetrap. I mean, yeah, there's cameras on them, and you're going to get caught if you try to fiddle with the thing. And, and even if you don't, they'll say, well, man, you've only started your car four times this month. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll get you. They'll find a way to get you. But those are – that's – that's very similar to the mental health stuff because the mental health stuff you're saying, okay, we will let you out of jail, but you're going to do X, you're going to do Y. You're, it's more constructive. Right. right. I mean, you're, I mean you're, you can either sit in a jail cell mm-hmm. and do nothing, or you can get out and go back to work and, and do some things to improve your life while you're waiting to your fate on your mm-hmm. – and so we prefer to get them working. Right. And, and one of the harder conversations that I have to have with my clients is – uh, I get the Jeremy, but I'm not guilty of anything. Why are they treating me like I'm on probation? Why are they treating me like I'm guilty of this already? Um, and and that's just kind of one of those imperfect answers about, well, I mean, you got to understand uh, um, they think you are, <laughs> you know, and that, that's just one of the headwinds that we face. Yeah. Um, that's why you have to pay me more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I can't, I'm not, I wasn't supposed to say that. Um, do, is there a judge handshake that they teach you guys? Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you what. It no, is. I don't. I no. I knew, I knew you couldn't tell me that. But you have baby judge school. Baby judge school. Okay. Do you guys? Uh, I mean, are, what, are, are there? What kind of freaky deaky? Yeah. What kind of hazing do they do? Um, I can't tell you that either. I'd have to kill you. Well, no. I I got to go to baby judge school with with uh, Ripple. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a um, a shooter, you know, courthouse shooter um, scenario. Court, yeah, and Becker actually was the the um, the shooter for our event, and so he was going to come in one of the doors. And when he came in, we were all supposed to react all this kind of stuff. And while everybody knows he's out in the hall somewhere and going to come in one of the doors, Ripple smacks his hand on the desk, and everybody know <laughs> <laughs> it was great. This is this would be Je, uh, Judge David Ripple, County Court at Law Number Four. Yes, I'll probably end up having him on here. Yeah, he's entertaining as well. Yeah, I, I, he, he's a lot of fun. He is actually held as a matter of law that my glasses. Actually, I think this is a previous pair of my glasses are top notch, and I have a transcript of it. Oh, yeah. He's he's got issues. Apparently, eyesight's one of them. Right. And he's even in some ways he's even more unsufferable because he's an LSU person yeah different kind of purple we we went to the lsu tcu game together mm-hmm. so 
uh, he sat with us. But anyway, um, yeah, he's 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 one of those. Mm-hmm. A go spelled wrong, right? Go Tigers. Yeah, and he doesn't sound like. I mean, he, he didn't have the accent, but then again, I mean, what do I, what do I know about these things? But okay, so at, at but at Baby Judge School, um, what types of things do they teach you about courtroom control? What types of things do they teach you about? Just sort of management. Well, I'll tell you the one thing I learned. I don't know if I learned it there or who or where I learned it was um, if if you're in trial and a lawyer objects and you weren't paying attention, all you have to do is they overruled. No, no, don't do that. You say, "Hey, please rephrase your question." <laughs> right. Then you can hear it for the first time and see if it was really objectionable. Good work. Yeah, thanks. Good work. Yeah, I've n- I'll, I'll I'll keep that in the back of my mind from now on. Um, if, if they ever ask you to rephrase, they weren't paying attention. Can you rephrase the question? Yes. That's the, a, the question was, what's your name? Was the car blue? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, do they, um, but they also teach you um, uh, how to lower the temperatures, right, when people are yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that you learn. I mean, and you, it's, I think it's three days. Um, and, I mean, I think it's it's better for the, new judges that really didn't practice law before they got there mm-hmm. I, I don't remember getting a whole lot out of it um i, I think yeah I, I knew that i knew that i knew that but um but yeah you do learn you know you learn uh don't get caught on tv playing golf when you're supposed to be working stuff like that <laughs> they do show this video it's, it's kind of funny because okay. so, uh, i guess there's some uh, colorado <laughs> judges that got in a lot of trouble for going to a conference and then not being at the conference but being out playing golf or or whatever but or if like an ice storm hits you're not going to go like to cancun i mean you're gonna i thought i saw you on a power wire outside in my neighborhood a power wire yeah you were you were on the pole yeah i was i was getting your power back yeah because you because you care that's what i do that's right you're you're one of yeah you're a public servant there um so and 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 kind of circling back we've only got a couple minutes here One, one point that i that I thought about, um, kind of talking about what makes a good judge, what makes a good defense lawyer. Um, I'll tell you one thing for, for one thing that I have decided, uh, I value more than anything else in a judge, um, is kindness. And, and I think that, uh, to me, the law, I, I mean, when you're, you know, I know you probably can't answer this, so I'll just say it. You know, you, you go to a lot of groups when you're when you're campaigning for office that are not lawyers, and and so it's very difficult to explain to them some of the more complex concepts, right? Cause when you when you're campaigning for office, I mean, there's probably twelve other races, and every candidate gets two minutes because right. Right. Th- this forum only has two hours to, to or three hours, and so you can't really start getting into well, my my interpretation of thirty nine fourteen subsection H is this. You can't really get into that. And and these people, most party activists on really in either party, um, they 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 just kind of sort of will say, well, you you're going to follow the law, right? Well, it kind of assumes that you know the law. Um, but even then, you can disagree on the law. Well, that's I mean one of the problems problems or, or nice thing about running for judge is you can't give your opinion about anything you, you, you're not allowed to it's the code of judicial uh, ethics says you, you just can't you know are you pro-life pro-choice are you this or that you know you you can't tell mm-hmm. 
uh, how you would rule on something that might come before your court. But um, but it's the easiest job in the world if you understand your job isn't to be a politician, but it's to call balls and strikes and, and just right read the law, follow the law, and it's not hard at all. Um, but if you're trying to get an outcome, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but but and none of these are mutually exclusive with being kind. Right. And 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 to me, um, I've seen a lot of judges who uh, the the ones that I you know that I really enjoy going to are the ones, and there are there are plenty of them in Collin County, that it you know they understand that while you and I may joke about you know Texas Tech beating TCU in basketball and other sports. Mm. Well, we may joke about that. Um, if for you know, and I'm in there four days a week or, or however many days a, a week, this is their one big day, maybe maybe the biggest day in their life in, in some instances. Right. Um, and even if they're, regardless of who they are, they're standing in, on the planet, they deserve to be treated kindly. Exactly. And I, I th- agree. Yeah. And then you can you can make it worse or you can make it better, but being nice to them, you, you make it a little bit better, even though it's not going to be good. <laughs> exactly, and I'm going to be right about the law. I'm going to be wrong about the law. The trial court is going to be right and wrong about the law too. Not you, you know. Um, but uh, I think we've got to go. Yeah, uh, but you know, you're not wrong. Obviously, I've been wrong once. I don't remember when it, it was. Okay, it happened. I've appealed you. Well, you, well, that's another story. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we argued that the lights were too dim in the courtroom that day. Oh. We couldn't really find anything. Any, you should use that machine. The best argument of all time, because you still remember it, and everybody in your courtroom sort of remembers it. And and again, uh, no, you. Everybody loves your going into your courtroom. It's fun. You again, your your. It's like. We have a good group. It's like going back to it's like it's it's like the hand sanitizer on the little paper cut. It stings a little. You, you know when you go in there that you gotta, you know you gotta you gotta move and duck and dodge quickly because you get bullets fired at you. Yep. But they're all out of love. But but when you leave, does Chad say, "Love you"? He does, and I love him. <laughs> I love you, Chad. That's. It Judge makes Baxter's a lot of lawyers bailout. real uncomfortable. I'm sure it does. I love that. I love. I love. See, to me, that's that's perfect. I mean, you know, life is about making people feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable for sure. That's 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 true talent. And so, making people uncomfortable is what the lawyers do, and it's hopefully what we've done in this past hour. So, thank you, everybody, for watching this episode of the Lawyer Show. Thank both of you. Thank thank you both.